So instead of going through the process of nurturing somebody, we put out our product and say, buy from me. And I think that this is how a lot of people start with Facebook ads is they they have their product or service. They run an ad straight to their product or service to people who have never heard of them before. And then they're disappointed that those people don't purchase. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. I've mentioned it a few times in passing on the podcast, but I started another business at the beginning of 2019 with two friends of mine, Jesse Marquecho and Ryan Akins. It's a Facebook ads agency called Till, and it's been a lot of fun to build over the last three quarters of the year. We've also had the opportunity to work with some amazing businesses that many of you are probably familiar with. Anyways, we finally launched a new website, which you all can find at till.agency. That's T-I-L-L dot agency. And to celebrate, I thought it'd be appropriate to do a podcast episode on the four components of a successful Facebook ads campaign. To help me dive into this episode, I've invited back Brands That Book regular and Pinterest extraordinaire, Vanessa Kynes. Before we get to the episode, I have a request. If you have enjoyed the Brands That Book podcast, would you take a minute to rate and review the podcast on iTunes? In doing so, you'll help this podcast get more visibility and it would mean a lot to me. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And like I said, I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands of Book podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. You can also send us a DM on Instagram at Krista. Now, on to the episode. All right, cool. Well, we're back for another episode of Brands That Book. I've got a regular now. Vanessa Kynes here to help me talk about Facebook ads. And Vanessa, you've just gone through all sorts of life transition. You're now in Birmingham. How's the move been? You know, it was very movie, if I had to give it a word. We had lots of glitches. We had some funny stories that were painful at first, but now I can laugh about sicknesses, everything. But today I felt like I was getting in my rhythm. My kids are going to their homeschool, but they go to a co-op once a week. So I feel like I have my rhythm there. I've got my gym workout. Just all these things are starting to come together. So it's looking it's looking up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can I don't wish moving upon anybody. You know, it's exciting like in theory that life transition, the transition itself I find not to be as exciting in the moving of boxes and getting into new routines. I'm not very good at getting a new routine. This week Jack's childcare switch from the mornings to the afternoons. And it really is it, like Krista, like just can go with the flow. I mean, she, she is productive regardless. Me on the other hand, I, I feel like finally now we're at the end of this first week and I feel like I'm finally getting back into a good routine. Well, it's good that you have Krista in your life. I feel like she's your anchor for all things productivity and routine. So she's really just for all things. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but man, today awesome. we are chatting about Facebook ads. I have alluded to a new company that I've started a couple times now on the podcast called the Till Agency, and it is a Facebook ads agency. 
And we work with all sorts of different kinds of clients. We work with service providers. We work with product-based businesses. We work with SaaS businesses. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about how that company started, but also, and more specifically for this episode, if you're interested in getting started with Facebook ads, I want to talk about really the four parts of an effective Facebook ads campaign. So how does that sound? Sounds great. I have to say that your current podcast host is not super informed on Facebook ads. So this is going to be a little bit of a like teacher um, student kind of podcast where hopefully I'm asking like genuine questions that I even have questions about using Facebook ads. One of the things we threw out there that I already am confused about is what is a SaaS for our listeners? Yeah. So a SaaS business software as a service. So think about different sites that you know you subscribe to and you pay a monthly subscription or annual subscription to in order to use their tools, those sorts of businesses. Gotcha. I've got a few in mind for that. Yeah. Very cool. So you guys kind of do it all. My biggest question is, what is it like to work with an agency? So if if I came to you and was like, hey, I need you guys to help me with, like, say, a course launch, what kind of things would you work with me with and do for me to make that happen? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, it's probably pretty similar to people working with you on Pinterest management. But for us, I mean, obviously, the big thing that we're taking off your plate is managing your Facebook ads. And there's all sorts of things that go into creating uh, and then optimizing a Facebook ad, scaling a Facebook ad. So when an ad's performing well, it's easy to think, oh, I can just dump more money into that ad. But there's actually a way to go about it to get the best results. Because if you just start doubling your budget, you'll often find that all of a sudden you weren't getting the same results as you were beforehand. So we're going to help you with all that kind of stuff. But one of the things when we started with... When we started this business and we we sat down uh, and my partners uh, Jesse Marquecho and Ryan Akins, when we sat down and decided what we wanted this business to look at look like, we decided that we wanted to be more than just about what we do. You know, we wanted to help people get results from the results that we get them for Facebook ads. So, just as an example, there. You might be running Facebook ads in order to get leads, you know. So maybe often that comes in the way of email addresses. So people signing up for your email list or or whatnot, downloading a lead magnet. Well, we can get you leads. And I think oftentimes the the struggle that people have with their Facebook ads agency is that the Facebook ads agency thinks, oh, my job's done. Like I got you leads. I got you uh, leads at a pretty good cost. Now it's your problem to convert those leads into clients. And what we decided, we want to have a, a sort of a bigger picture take on that. So we'll look at your entire funnel and we'll talk about ways that that can be improved because we don't want to just help you get results you know, via Facebook ads, but we want those results actually to help your business as well. So we do a lot of consulting on funnels and email marketing and, and all sorts of different stuff. Does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, I totally understand the concept of it, but one of the things that you highlighted that is really hard for me for someone who's not doing Facebook ads all the time, and this also helps me think why it's important to hire people who are like really good at what they do, is I wouldn't know how to scale an ad. Like I wouldn't know that just not pumping more money into it wasn't the right thing to do. And so, and I face this in my Pinterest business all the time. People think, why isn't this working? And I can see through the forest and look at different things that you need to do with, with each tree. But I think that's where it comes with experience and expertise. And so that's just a plug for like hiring a specialist because sometimes you just don't know what to do like with your ad. So that totally makes sense. And for me specifically, like I, like, I'm just afraid. Like, I think there's a lot of listeners who are just afraid to take that jump. It's scary. You have to put money behind it. 
I feel like there's lots of tech glitches that can go long, especially when you're introducing things like webinars and landing pages. So I think a lot of people are afraid. And I'm hoping this episode today helps people feel a little bit more comfortable with what they can do to DIY their own ad. Yeah. And that's totally a normal reaction, right? Like anytime you're dumping money into something, you you want to know that there's going to be a return on that investment. And I think in many ways, investing in something like Facebook advertising or Google ads or, or even Pinterest ads is you should be less afraid of that than dumping money into, let's say, like the knot or wedding wire or some sort of um, <laughs> some sort of listing like that. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But you know, one one of our I think roles as service providers, and I think you do a really good job of this. And one one of the things that we have really appreciated about working with you on Pinterest is that you care so much more about than just the Pinterest side of things. You're always helping me brainstorm more content. You're interested in like you know kind of the funnel that's that's going on behind the scenes from from different pieces of content. So we appreciate that you take an interest in that. And I think it does alleviate any fears that we have around, you know, Pinterest marketing and and kind of paying you and and what, you know, what results that we might be getting. So as a as an agency, we wanted to do something similar. I mean, even that's where our name came from, till as a derivative from a Hebrew word avada, which in the Old Testament was used as work, worship, and service. You know, and so that you know that's just kind of a little bit of the origin of our name and kind of our our heart for this company. You know, even beyond the results that we hope people can get from you know Facebook ads. I love that. So you're kind of like really digging into the business and not just looking at Facebook ads and walking away, but like really helping people scale from this deeper level, kind of like their why and where their business is going. So I love that. I love that deeper level service that you're talking about there. Yeah. And if you want to learn a little bit more about that and the kind of the origin and name, I think we have a pretty fun about page. If you go to till.agency, our website will have launched by the time that this episode goes live. So go check that out to learn a little bit more about us. But we can dive into Facebook ads. And I think a good transition, kind of what you were just talking about in being concerned about dumping money into something like Facebook ads. Well, the nice thing about Facebook ads is that you can pretty easily measure your return on investment, right? If you're going to pay somebody for a listing in a magazine or a listing on their website, it's a little bit harder to track that return because you're hoping that people are landing on whatever website that is and then being referred to your website and booking you. And sometimes you might not even know they came from that listing unless you explicitly ask them. And even when you ask them, they might not remember that it was actually that listing in Style Me Pretty or whatever it might be that sent them to your website. They might think, oh, I think I found you on Instagram. It might be some combination of things. So it's pretty hard to track. So one of the ways that you're going to track that is by installing something called the Facebook Pixel on your website. And the Facebook Pixel is going to collect just sort of a creepy amount of data. <laughs> for, I, I don't, yeah, that's probably not the best way to put it, but it's going to, it's going to collect a crazy amount of data on your website visitors and likely you as well. I mean, if you're signed into Facebook, which let's face it, if you have a Facebook account, you're pretty much always signed into it, right? When you visit other websites across the web, they can track your actions, not only from one website to the uh, to another, but your actions that you take on that website. And so the pixel will allow you to track when people come from an ad that you're running and if they you know, take the desired action that you want them to take. So that might be downloading a lead magnet or some sort of free goodie, or that might be purchasing something on your website. 
Okay, I have a million thoughts right now. One of them is, speaking of creepy, recently did a road trip and my husband and I were driving and I was talking to him about this Volkswagen car. It was like a newer SUV. I don't think it's the one that you guys have. It's a different one. And I was like, huh, I have never heard of that car before. I don't even think I literally said Volkswagen. And my husband's like, oh yeah, it's a Volkswagen, blah, blah, blah. Later on, I get on Facebook and there is an ad for the Facebook or for the Volkswagen, I was like freaking out because that was the first time that I think I've ever really acknowledged that I definitely did not search for it on my phone and that it was listening to me. So is there truth? Are are our phones listening to us when we talk about different things? (laughs) I think we should always act kind of under as if they were, you know, Facebook will come out and say that they're not, you know, that, that you saw that ad because of uh, all sorts of collection of data they had on you. And, and, you know, so it's to a certain extent coincidence, I'm pretty sure they would deny that they were listening to your microphone as you talk to your husband, but yeah. So I don't believe it. Anyway, (laughs) I I think most, I think a lot of people don't believe it. You know, I, I find myself kind of you know, sometimes in this exact same situation where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I never searched for something related to that. And now I'm seeing ads about it after having a conversation. Yeah, no, I think they're listening. So that's just (laughs) something to keep an eye out for. So I have another question too, because you talked about how someone can get on there. Let's say they're getting on their desktop and searching for, I don't know, like WordPress templates. What about the cross device pollen cross device? What's the word I'm looking for? Issue. Um, Yeah. Like, is it going to somehow pick up on that ad when you start on a desktop, is it going to land on your phone? Does that work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as long as you're signed into your Facebook account in both places, I mean, tracking is never going to be perfect, right? So some conversions, and and we just define conversion as an action that you want somebody to take. So that could be a purchase, that could be a download, that could be a, you know, uh, somebody filling out a contact form, it could be, you know, whatever action it is that you want people to take. But, you know, if someone sees an ad at work, and they or rather, if someone were to yeah, see an ad at work, click into that ad onto, you know, onto your website, like what they see and, and make a mental note. I'm going to come back to this later. And then maybe they're at a friend's house and get on a friend's computer. And for whatever reason they purchase from their friend's computer, then Facebook won't understand that that's necessarily the same person, right? right? right. That, that's all your ad. So, but in general, I mean, are you logged into Facebook on your phone? Yeah. And are, they you, want us, yeah. are you logged in on your Mac, on your MacBook? Yeah, I'm like 14 different browsers. Exactly. And so, I mean, I would say, I'd say in general, Facebook does a pretty good job of tracking those conversions across devices. Well, and then also I'm guessing because Instagram and Facebook are owned by this, well, they're they're owned by Facebook, that what you do on Instagram also is going to show up on Facebook. That's a good thing to note is when we're talking about Facebook ads, we're talking about Facebook and Instagram ads. So you're going to run uh, Facebook and Instagram ads from the same ad platform. And to get to the stuff that we're talking about, so if you want to install the Facebook pixel on your website so that you can start tracking different behaviors on your site and you know run retargeting campaigns towards those people, we'll talk a little bit about what that means here in a minute, but you'll go to business.facebook.com. You'll sign in with your account. You'll go through, you know, it's, it's a relatively easy setup and we have a tutorial as well. So I'll just post that in the show notes and start instead of trying to explain that here but you'll install that on your website. If you have a WordPress website, you can do that through the use of a plugin. Even if you were just to copy the code into the head of your website, it's fairly easy. But again, the tutorial will cover all of that. Okay, so who do you think Facebook ads are for? Are they for just launches or can they be? Can they work for people who are looking to book clients for like a specific service? Yeah, all of the above. I mean, if, you're, if your audience is on Facebook ads, then you could probably make Facebook ads work for you. 
That's everyone pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, they have a massive user base. I mean, uh, Facebook, a Facebook account is almost as common as you know, having an email address. So I would say that most people could probably make use of Facebook ads. Now, Facebook ads, are, it's not a silver bullet. You know, like if you have a, a product that's obviously not proven out, it's not selling well to the audience that you're in front of, then don't think by running Facebook ads, all of a sudden it's going to stop a, a, a sinking business from, from sinking, right? It's just not a silver bullet. That's an interesting point. So do you think that if somebody had a successful organic launch, let's just say through their email list and word of mouth, that likely a Facebook ad is going to just increase their revenue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the perfect situation for somebody wanting to run Facebook ads is maybe they had a good organic launch or maybe they do a really, they know they've proven out their product because it does really good, really well organically. Facebook ads is a great way to, uh, as a friend put it once, pour gas on the, on the fire. Love it. Love it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, like you mentioned, were you going to give us some terminology, some tips for getting started? I want to know what a CPC, CTR, and types of audiences that you can use, all those things. Like, just teach us, Professor. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about four different components right here of a Facebook ad. I'm not going to dig into the the actual, you know, what buttons to click here and there because the Facebook ad platform does go through a number of updates each year. So I don't want this episode to become super outdated real quick. So we're going to talk about principles that regardless of the changes to the ad platform are still good. I want to talk about the offer that you're making. I want to talk about your targeting or the audience. I want to talk about the creative and then also the follow-up as well. So I think if you nail these four things, then you're going to have a pretty successful Facebook ads campaign. I'm literally taking notes right now. Sorry. (laughs) That's good. We can just use those for the show notes so I don't have to type them up later. Perfect. Yeah. So let's actually talk about targeting first or audience first. We distinguish through our audience. We put our audience into a couple different segments. One is an audience that's not yet our audience yet. And so that would be a cold audience. That would be running ads to people who are not aware of us. All right. And the there's a continuum here from cold audiences to warm audiences. So people don't necessarily fit perfectly into one of those two buckets. So for instance, somebody who's never heard of you, who just signed up for your email list, they're still pretty cold audience, right? Even though they've taken one step to become a part of this more, this warmer audience. And this is an important distinction to make because oftentimes we and we don't do this in real life, but we do this online sometimes, is we try to make our pitch way too early, right? So instead of going through the process of nurturing somebody or getting to know somebody that we don't know, we put out our product and say, buy from me, you know? And I think that this is how a lot of people start with Facebook ads is they they have their product or service. They run an ad straight to their product or service to people who have never heard of them before. And then they're disappointed that those people don't purchase. So there's sort of a process to go through in order to warm those people up, in order to nurture them. Are we going to warm them up with, this is literally just me thinking about this. So say they sign up for your your email list. Are we going to warm them up with ads that are feeding them like blog posts, maybe popular blog posts, or what kind of things can we do to warm them up other than obviously emailing them from our email list? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, putting together, so going back to the offer here. So we're talking about, let's talk about cold audiences first, people who are unfamiliar with you or may have just heard of you, okay? 
you want to put an offer in front of them that is relevant to them. So likely they're trying to solve a problem. So maybe that's Pinterest, you know, for you. That would be the most relevant offer or relevant thing for you, right? But they haven't even thought of maybe hiring a Pinterest manager yet. They just know that they have friends maybe that are that are getting all this traffic from Pinterest. They want to know how to get traffic from Pinterest too. And so if you had some sort of lead magnet that people could download that would give them information on getting better results from Pinterest, that would be a relevant offer to a cold audience. And it doesn't require much from them up front. In order to get that from you, all they have to give up is their email address. They're not taking their wallet out yet. Does that make sense? Totally. I got that. Check. Thanks for the free coaching. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you got so you have that, right? So somebody sees that ad on Facebook, they go to that landing page, they put their email address in. So we have the offer, which is that lead magnet. We're targeting this cold audience. All right. And then let's talk about the follow-up. And I know there's a, we're going to take the creative, the actual ad itself. We'll talk about that towards the end because those, those principles will apply to whether you're talking about a cold audience or a warm audience. But so somebody uh, gets on your email list because they've downloaded this guide or they've uh, signed up for free coaching or whatever it might be. From there, you want to follow up with that person. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they never follow up. They get emails on this email list and then they feel like, oh, well, people don't want to hear from me or I think I'm just going to annoy them with emails and things like that. And it's like, no, I mean, literally you put something in front of them that they were interested in enough in downloading. Now follow up, tell them how they can extend that knowledge. All right. So, you know, I, I guarantee that whatever you put in that lead magnet, that's not all you know. <laughs> right? There's, there's ways you can extend that knowledge, tell them where else they can follow you, you know? And so that's a great, in a, in an introductory email, just telling people a little bit about who you are and where else they can follow because something like Instagram stories is a great place to warm up a relatively cold lead. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I mean, are there any things that you would do in between, let's say you do have a paid product at the end, like you're sending them through a funnel 10 emails long, and you're going to be sending them to, I'll just go, just because we're using this as an example, my Pinterest course. Are there going to be any other paid ads in between that you would use to warm them up? Or are you hoping that they're just participating and opening your emails in their inbox? Yeah, for sure. So you can retarget people. We can get to that in a minute here, but basically, you know, you can target people with ads that have taken, that have visited your website or visited certain pages on your website or have signed up for your email list. I mean, you can get really granular with how you target people, right? But I would say, I mean, just as you nurture these cooler leads, putting a lot of content in front of them, you know, giving, giving, giving before you ask for anything, that doesn't mean that you can't make an offer in, you know, one of the first emails. That's, that's Okay. But just realize that you might want to make it more about that offer. You want to make you want to make sure that you're providing value first too. Make right. sense? Yeah, totally, totally. So let's talk about as you warm people up. All right. So when you warm people up, or or a warm lead would be somebody who's familiar with you, right? So they've subscribed to your email list. Maybe they've been on your email list for a while. They have you know visited your website. They're a regular reader of your blog. They follow you on social media, right? They're they're more familiar with you, and I want to emphasize too that it's important to do lead generation, to to build leads, to build your email list, because most people aren't going to buy from you within the first, you know, day or so, right? It's going to be like 85% of people who purchase uh, from you are going to purchase from you down the road, right? So it's going to take a little bit of time for you to build trust with those people. But what you can do for those warm leads is you can run retargeting ads. 
And so this is targeting people who have taken a specific action. And so this might be targeting people who have signed up for your email list. Maybe it's people who have visited your website or a certain page on your website. And then that way you can get a little bit more specific with your ads. I mean, not more specific, but you can now start putting offers in front of them that might require a little bit more of them. And so this might be a low you know, maybe this is like a a couple dollar item. Maybe this is, you know, actually starting to put your products in front of them a little bit, but you started to build trust with them through your email list. And now you can retarget them in other ways. Gotcha. I think that one of the biggest fears for me is I'm really good, or I wouldn't say I'm really good, but I'm good at getting them on the email list and nurturing through my email. Really bad at asking for the sale, really bad at trying to get to the point where I'm, you know, I've had people on my list who have been on there a while and they email me back, but it's getting to the sales part when you're presenting your offer. So would you recommend like creating some of those retargeting ads for that end offer for me, which would probably be this course that's, you know, several hundred dollars? Yeah. I mean, this doesn't replace asking for the sale in something like email. First of all, generally email marketing conversion rates are going to be much higher. Like if you put an offer out in the email, the conversion rates there are going to be much higher than what you would see, you know, on Facebook ads. Right. So that's why lead gen is so important. That's why, you know, using Facebook ads to build your email list is so effective because then you can nurture them there and you can put that, that offer in front of them. And think about the difference between those two mediums too and how they work together. Facebook in, in, in a lot of ways, you're trying to interrupt their scroll. Right. And so that's why it's so important to put together a compelling, relevant offer in email though. They've told you, you know, by signing up for your email list that it's okay to send them email and you're delivering something to their inbox, right? So you're going to see higher conversion rates in your, in your email campaign. So part of it is just realizing, Hey, people signed up for this and people aren't stupid either, right? Like when I sign up for anything online, I realize that person's running a business, you know, and I've signed up because I'm interested in that topic. So we're, you know, I don't think it's like offensive then to put an offer in front of somebody. There, I mean, you can be, there's all sorts of things that you can do wrong. You know, you could make claims that aren't true. You could be aggressive, you know, things like that. But just by putting an offer in front of somebody, it's not offensive. No, that's really interesting. So from my perspective, what I was thinking about, it sounds like that using Facebook ads or even Pinterest ads are really about getting those leads. And so that main kind of area is growing that email list, but then making sure you do something with it. Don't just pop them on the list, but like really work that list. And I love what you mentioned about cross-pollination because now you've got people following you on Instagram stories and following your life, like maybe not what you do in your business. And it is surprising to me when I go to conferences and I have people who literally define themselves as a fangirl of me, which is always such a shock. (laughs) So it's fun because people are really watching you and they want to know and they want that no like trust and they want to make sure they're, they're putting their money behind someone they really love. So I love that you've talked about the ways that it can take that cold audience and just like warm them up really quickly. One thing I wanted to bring up too is I want to, I want to know your thoughts about this. Do you think that I'm guessing you're going to say yes. When you have organic traffic coming from Pinterest and from Google, like these are non ads. How do you feel about that, that traffic growing your audience quicker on Facebook? Does it make your ads cheaper? Does it give them a better idea who's interested in your subject? Does that make sense? So your efforts on Google and Pinterest and these other places? So like, for example, someone discovers you on Pinterest, never heard of you, clicks on your website, they're likely going to see an ad from you on Facebook that you've targeted towards people who have come to your website. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, and this is why it's important to show up in so many different places, I think. And so, I mean, this is why we've hired you to, to help us with Pinterest because all of those people who come from to our website from Pinterest because they see a pin that they're interested in, you know, whether it be a product in our shop or whether it be a blog post or a podcast or, you know, whatever it might be, they land on our website and then they're pixeled, right? And so they fall into one of the audiences that we likely target with an ad. And so if you've gone to our, our website, and then you've gone back to Facebook or Instagram, you will likely see one of her ads. And you know, just to clarify something that I said, I think Facebook is so important. I think lead gen in general is so important. That doesn't mean that you can't run ads straight to your products. And you know, if again, if you go to our website, you'll see that a lot of where we run ads straight to our products are to warmer audiences. And really, that's the point that I wanted to make, which is people that we've nurtured on some level. So if you've looked at one of the products in our shop, you will likely see and didn't and you didn't purchase it you will likely see an ad for that product or a related product next time you're on Facebook or Instagram and give it a little tap right yeah that's we right give it a little give it a, even if you're not you know maybe maybe you uh, don't need it now give it a little like maybe a little share that that always helps you know no, I'm just kidding but yeah so I think since we we have we've covered you know a lot of that in terms of cold and warm audiences and things like that so what I can do real quick is I can go through these four things again real quick and just authorize maybe offer maybe a summary of each point how's okay. that sound all right, cool. So let's talk about the offer real quick. Important things about making an offer to somebody. You want to be specific and clear. All right. Don't generalize things. Don't just be general. And you know, like if you're a wedding photographer, you're probably a wedding photographer for a certain type of person or, or, or a certain type of wedding. Maybe it's a, a certain aesthetic that you deal with. Maybe you're a film wedding photographer, but get specific and clear with your audience so that you connect with somebody. If you're too general, you're not going to connect with anybody. Try to create some sort of sense of urgency. Okay. So especially when you're putting a product or a service in front of somebody, give people a reason to reach out now. Now, sometimes that's easy because it's a course launch or it's some sort of launch where a deal is going to expire, but you can create a sense of urgency through other things as well. Maybe instead of discounting your service and I never, I don't mind discounting products. All right. But anything that involves my time or your time, I really, you know, tread lightly when it comes to discounting, right? What are some other ways that we can create a sense of urgency there? Well, one way would be to offer some sort of bonus. So for instance, like for us in website design, we might offer some search engine optimization or our search engine optimization course in addition to website design. So book now and you'll also get our search engine optimization course, you know, and that doesn't require any more of my time, but it adds value and gives people a reason to book now. Make sense? Yep, totally. Let's see. There are really three places in a feed to catch attention. You have the text above the ad. Like if you're looking on Facebook, there's a text above the ad. There's the creative itself. And then there's the headline below. All right. And so you want to make sure that you're highlighting, you know, different things in each of those three places. Okay. So you don't have to say the same thing three times because people will look in all three of those places. Oftentimes they're going to look at the creative first. So you want to make sure that the creative is catchy. And so I'll, I'll transition just into talking about the creative now too. Error on the side when you're writing text of being punchy. All right. As, as Jesse, as one of my partners, Jesse would say, be punchy and short, again, specific instead of long winded. Okay. Not all of us were born copywriters. Some people hate writing. If that's you, that's okay. Just be specific. There's nothing wrong with getting straight to the point. You don't have to be super witty and cutesy. And I think in a, a lot of times when we try to do that, our, our point doesn't come across. 
I see a lot of people. Okay. So my tip for the listeners out there is because I have a lot of fear around doing Facebook ads is if you see an ad you really like, you can save it like top, right? I think you can save the post and take some time to figure out like what you liked about it. What were they doing? Do they ask a couple questions and then share a story? Like see if there's something about it that you really resonate with so that when you start to create your copy, which is hard, it's hard for everyone, unless you're a copywriter that you can start to not copy, but emulate like what they're doing. It seems like for me, I see a lot of people ask questions, like questions are good places to start in the copy to get people thinking about where you're going and what you're leading with. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Anytime you can create what, uh, what we call swipe files, you know, so I have screenshots just of ads that I thought were creative and I just keep them in a folder. And that way I can refer back to them for inspiration. Again, you don't want to copy those things, but they're great for inspiration. One thing I've noticed too, in the, what do you call the little section right below the creative? It's like gray and it has like a little title, click on the it. Headline. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. One thing I've noticed a lot of people do there is because it's kind of buried is that use usually is like a really powerful CTA or call to action, like download XYZ, learn now, blah, blah, blah. And they usually, I notice use like, you can tell I've been studying like emojis or some kind of like visual because it's kind of buried visually so that you see it and take action on it. How do you yeah. feel about that? Oh, that's perfect. It leads right into my next point. Perfect. Three ways to catch people's attentions, emojis, you know, for whatever reason. And and you'll see more used. And of course, the more used something is, you know, the less powerful it becomes. But there's a there's a reason that you see those emojis there. You there's a reason you see a strong call to action in the headline there, and then maybe a little bit more information in the text area above. So all of those are very are very good observations. Another thing that we have a lot of success with is a movement within ads. So that might be video or it could be GIF. All right. So just movement and you don't have to be a professional videographer to get movement in your ads. One of our, you know, best performing ads is, is really just a cell phone style clips of people, you know, so not, not anything that's heavily produced. Now, with that said, one, one thing I, I want to mention is if you're not dynamic on camera, meaning like if you're not enthusiastic, I'm not saying like, oh, if you're not a good actor, that's not what I mean. But if you're not enthusiastic on camera, then don't get on camera. <laughs> All right. And that's fine. You can, you can incorporate movement into your ads in other ways. Okay. I love this idea because one of the things I feel like would be really achievable for a lot of people, if you're not a videographer, is the Instagram story ads. Because Instagram stories are altogether really organic and natural and kind of like fun. And I feel like I could easily do an Instagram story ad where I'm like, hey, blah, 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 swipe up to grab my blah, 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 blah. And I started to see like really famous people do them like Amy Porterfield. I'm like, okay, well, she can do it. Her ads team must have figured out that this works. I can do that too. 100%. I mean, that that's why, I mean, if you're going through Instagram stories, so you're st- starting to tap through different people's stories, you, you know, right away when you hit ad occasionally, because it's like a, a produced, you know, it looks like a TV commercial, right? And so, you know, this doesn't fit within this, right? But then all of a sudden you might see an actual face of a person talking to you as if it's just another Instagram story. And it takes you a second to realize, oh, this is a sponsored Instagram story. I think that's a great way to go about that. We should do more about that of that at Davy or Krista, at least. Davy and Krista, I feel like we have a bunch of Instagram story ads. They're often just story versions of our of our feed ads. But no, I definitely think anytime you can get yourself on camera, I think that fits better, you know, stories in general than these really heavily produced ones. So I work with a few people on promoted pins and one of the ads that did really well, same product, it's a Lightroom preset for interior photography. So a little bit different from the wedding photography world, but she did a little swipe of before and after of the Lightroom preset compared to just like a still picture. 
And the CTR, the click-through ratio, the cost per click went way down, CTR went way up. And I think just that like visual like illustration of the product before and after was really powerful. So if you guys have that out there, maybe you have presets, it worked. It's working really well on Pinterest. I imagine it would work well on Instagram stories as well. Yeah, we work with a product-based business who does one of her ads is like this time lapse of you know, basically someone using her products. So something similar that performs really well before and after photos, you know, for things like presets perform really well. So, you know, but all that includes some sort of movement in it. So the point is to catch people's attention. And that's, I think, an important note to make when you're writing copy, when you're, when you're putting together the ad, you don't have to sell that lead magnet or that product totally 100% in the ad itself. That ad just needs somebody to click on it. All right. So the point is to get some, to catch somebody's attention and get them to click. And then when they get to the landing page or they get to the sales page, then it becomes that page's job to get that person to take the desired action. Do you have any tips for making a good converting landing page? Because that is tricky for people who don't have a lot of like web design in their background. Yeah, absolutely. We So we have a blog post that I wrote about that topic. So if you go to DavianKrista.com, it's something like nine tips for a highly converting landing page or something like that. I think that's going to have to be another podcast episode though. Okay. On it. Scheduling it now. So we talked about the offer. We talked about the creative. I want to talk about targeting and the follow-up just real quick and mostly just summarizing those. When it comes to targeting, remember you're going to be targeting uh, somebody on the continuum of cold, a cold audience, people who've never heard of you before to people who have heard of you, know you, love you, enjoy watching your Instagram stories, are very familiar with your work. Make sure you put the appropriate offer in front of that person. Somebody who's never heard of you before, likely not ready to hear your offer yet. If that offer is buy from me, right? But if it's down Download my lead magnet, that offer is probably more appropriate for a cold audience. When we're targeting cold audiences, we so we when we're targeting warm audiences, it's often people who have been on our website, interact with our social media, or on our email list, or some sort of customer list. Okay. When we're targeting cold audiences, a lot of the cold audience targeting we use is our lookalike audiences. All right. So lookalike audiences. And lookalike audiences are audiences that share characteristics with audiences you already have. And so just to elaborate that on that a little bit, you can take your email list, you can upload it to Facebook, and then you can create what's called a lookalike audience. And what Facebook is doing is looking uh, for people who are similar to the people on your email list. You can do same thing with your website traffic. You can create an audience of people who visited your website, and then you can create a lookalike audience based on that audience. Make sense? Yeah, totally. You can do the same thing on Pinterest. Do you prefer lookalike audiences than compared to just like random cold audiences? Do you feel like they do really well? Yeah, you mean so like interest-based audiences? So on Facebook, you could also create interest-based audiences where somebody's interested in, let's say, I don't know, planners or something like that, right? And (laughs) you can target people who are interested in planners. Yeah, we find that lookalike audiences typically perform better in part because we're, we're letting Facebook do the heavy lifting of matching those characteristics, right? They have so many different data points on the people who are already on our audience lists that they can then match that with, with other people out there in the Facebook universe. Love it. Facebook, powerful. And then the last thing that I want to mention the follow-up. And this will where we'll wrap up. Again, a lot of people, they don't follow up. You know, it's like, hey, come join me. And then there's there's no uh, there's nothing from there. It'd be like saying hi to somebody and then walking away. 
right? So if somebody's going to stop, say hi, then strike up a conversation. And so the most, I think the most effective way to do this right now is through an email list. Messenger marketing is becoming way more popular too. So utilizing Facebook Messenger, I won't get into that now because then I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of, of, <laughs> Messenger marketing, and we'll never we'll never wrap up this podcast episode. But building an email list is a great way to do this. Not that Instagram stories, not that Facebook stories, or Facebook and Instagram or Pinterest isn't. But again, when you're on, when you have somebody on your email list, you can get in front of them. You can get straight to their inbox. You can send something straight to them. Whereas somebody who follows you on Facebook or follows you on Instagram may not see your Instagram stories that day. All right, so. Follow up with people, nurture them through email campaigns. The email list that I'm on, a lot of them send, at least one of them sends an email every single day. But, you know, and I would hate for that, that person. It's Seth Godin. You know, like I don't want, like I would never say Seth, you know, stop sending me emails. And if I, if I was like that, all I do is unsubscribe and that's fine. It's probably okay with him, you know? (laughs) And, and so everybody has that option, right? And it's nothing, you know, we, we can't take that personally or anything like that. I think that's one thing where it's like, oh man, all these people unsubscribe. Every time I send an email, people will unsubscribe from my list. It's just, that's just the way it is. And I've never heard, I'm, I don't know a single other business owner who sends emails on a regular basis to a decent sized list who doesn't have any unsubscribes. I just yeah. never heard of it. I used to be so afraid of this, especially when you're in the beginning and you're like, every precious person counts. But, and I used to check to see when I'm subscribed and look at the actual email, which is a no, don't do that. But now I don't even check anymore. And it's just so true. You just get to a point where you just don't care. And you realize like who you're actually serving and speaking to, and they're engaging back with you and you're meeting your fangirls and you start to realize it all kind of comes together. So don't worry about those unsubscribers. Yeah. So I I would look at open and click rates way before I look at unsubscribes. And, you know, it's important, you know, to look and just make sure that, okay, wow, you know, we had a ton of unsubscribes from this email. I wonder why and kind of maybe diagnose that a little bit, but it's nothing to beat yourself up over. So kind of, I think it's just a fear that a lot of people have to get over and realize when people have raised their hand and said they want to hear from you, they're, they're interested in that topic, you know, share more about that topic. And one day they likely won't be interested in that topic anymore for whatever reason. And they'll unsubscribe, and that's okay because you have new like you're you're always doing lead generation, so you have a new audience to talk to. So I think that's that's all that that we have time for to cover with uh, Facebook ads. I know there is so much more. You know the one the one thing that I would say if you're getting started with Facebook ads is you probably want to run either a conversion campaign or a traffic campaign. That's where we spend I'd say ninety percent of our time. If the technical part is holding you up, like installing the Pixel or like understanding you know, how exactly you're tracking conversions, reach out to somebody. I guarantee you, you can pay somebody to help you get that set up and then get you rolling. But don't let that be a reason to stop you. If you're interested in learning more about our Facebook ads agency, you can visit us at till.agency. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantKrista.com.